is we're thinking as a church over the next month, this transition, this relocation, the move, I reflect on when we came to this building and how we prayed over this building and how we looked at, at this building and we thought, I wonder if we'll ever fill this building up. I wonder if we'll ever go to two services. Uh, I wonder if we'll go to three services. There's been some weekends I've wondered, should we go to five services? Um, and then the volunteers like had <laughs> burnt my yard I, when I mentioned it. It was terrible. But <laughs> we think about the vision for a place, and it excites us. We think about God's will for a body of faith like ours. What does God want out of us? What's he trying to do in all of us corporately, together, collectively? And we start to meditate on those things and, and think on them and say, what's my, my role in it? And, and am I, am I going to serve? Am I going to resource? Am I going to use a, a talent that I have? What, what's, what's God's will for my life? As a pastor, when I hear about God's will, most of the time it gets brought up in a counseling environment or someone comes in and they're asking, what, what is God's will? How do I discover it? How do I find it? I just, I just want to know, is, is, is it right? Are, are they right? Is this job right? Is, should I move? Should I stay? Um, should I break up? Should we go to the next, next level of commitment? What, what should we do? What should I do? And, and so the search for God's will kind of manifests out in those types of questioning. And here's my re response to that, my first response is, if you're asking the question, what is God's will? It means this, that you care about it. It means that you want to do it right. It means that you want to know. You want to hear. You want to find out. You're on the search. And it, it also means that you've probably looked through the pages of, of your Bible and you've, you've read the stories about people who've missed God, rejected God, ran away from God, said no to God. And, and you see some of the outcomes in their life and Maybe even if it's subconsciously, you say, I don't want to do that. I want to know what God's will for my life is. And I think it's a great question and a mature question of faith for us to want to know, God, what is it that you want for me to do with my life? And so I'm going to, I hope to encourage us some in this this morning. So let's, let's take a look quickly at what Paul says to the church at Ephesus in chapter 5, verse 17 of Ephesians. He says this, do not be foolish. Okay, one, one version says, don't be dumb. Okay, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, understand what the, word, what, what the Lord's will is. The word understand means this, to wrap my mind around it, to get it, to understand it, to be able to have full comprehension, to gain confidence from un understanding it. So he says this, listen, don't, don't be dumb. Understand what God's will is. So it tells me this, it's attainable. We can get it, we can find it, we can comprehend it, we can live our life from it, from knowing what the will of God is. Let's look at, at some more scripture. Matthew 6, 9, we sang about it this, this morning. But it says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. This was on the heels of the disciples saying, Jesus, teach us how to pray. 
And this comes out, and, and one of the phrases that he teaches them is to say, Lord, let your will be done in my life. I think it's a great prayer. Father, whatever it is that you've willed for me, let it un unfold. I want to come into alignment with it. I want your will in my life. I humble myself to your will. Okay, Matthew 26 and 39, the context here is Jesus is about to suffer on the cross, and he prays this. It says in verse 39, He went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so we even see in the life of Christ the tension that can exist between what we want and what the Father wants, but his will must rule out in our, our lives. And we see that God, not what I want, but what you want. And so all these things preface us finding the will of, of God, to know that it's there, to know that we can comprehend it, to seek it out, to pray for it. God, give me your will and not, not mine, but yours. So to give us relativity this morning, I want to use an example in the word of God about the will of God for a man, and that man being Joseph. I want to look at his life for a minute. When the book of Genesis, which is a very old book, ends, Joseph is 110 years old, and he's right where all of us really want to be. He is living squarely in God's will. He is well provided for, and he is surrounded by the people that he loves. When we think about passing, when we think about coming to the end of our lives, Joseph is there. He has arrived at those things. I'm taken care of. The people I love the most are around me. I'm not in fear. And everything is right between my heart and God. I'm in a good spot. That's where we find Joseph. But Joseph's journey getting there was full of detours. And greater yet, it was full of a lot of drama. As a matter of fact, the drama started early in Joseph's life. When we meet him, he's 17, he's a shepherd, he's the youngest of 12 boys, and he is his dad's favorite. His father has spoiled him, so much so that his brothers see it. They see the way he looks at him. They hear the tone of his voice when he speaks at him or speaks over him. They see the gift giving between them. And they realize he is our father's favorite. To make things worse, Joseph has a couple of dreams. Both of them involve his brothers bowing down to him. Now, he's naive at this point, so he feels like he should share that information. So he goes to them. Guess what, guys? You're going to love this. I had a dream, and y'all were worshiping me. That's awesome, right? Next, Joseph gets sold into slavery. And his brothers are trying to say to the father, he's dead. Something happened. And I mean, they hate him. They hate him so much that Genesis chapter 37 tells us three times in the same chapter. They hated him. They hated him. They hated him. They were done with Joseph. So much turmoil in that, in that family. And now he's got a father that thinks he's dead and 11 brothers who have sold him because they hate him so bad. It's at this point, very early in his life story, that the vision dies. 
whatever it was that Joseph had dreamed, whatever it was that he felt in his heart that God was going to do in him, life stepped in, punched him in the gut, and the vision seemed to just wash its hands of, of him at that particular moment. I don't know, God, what you were trying to say, but obviously I've missed you. And so Joseph goes on this journey of relocating and, and be, falling into a new culture and, and being, becoming a, a slave and having to work very hard. But, but God favors him. And so there are a few things that we can learn from Joseph's life. I want to give us four of those really quick. The first thing is this. Finding God's will begins with finding God. You, you cannot search for God's will without first finding God. To grab him by the hand, to get him in your heart, to sell out all the way to who he is as the lover of our soul, then comes his will and plan for our lives. The Bible never tells us in the story of Joseph that Joseph prayed or that he worshipped or even that he had a point of meditation. We never see that part of his life. Do I think personally that he did it? Yes. But we don't see it in Scripture. So how do we know that he actually walked with God? Well, Genesis 39 verse 2 says this, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. What everything Joseph put his hands on, God blessed him. It was like Joseph said, well, if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the best slave. And if I'm going to serve Potiphar's house, I'm going to be the best servant that he has. I'm going, to, I'm going to put all my creativity into it and all of my energy into it and all of my loyalty into it and my skill set into it. And I'm going to be the best person who's ever served the house of Potiphar. Because of that, God, God honored him. Okay? The principle there is this. Joseph did not let his circumstance determine his devotion. And somebody needs to hear that this morning. You cannot let the circumstance in your life determine how devoted you are to God. You can't just worship God when everything is way up, up here and feels right and everything is beautiful and you got a great view of the valley be, be, below and a bird's eye view of life and, and, and your paycheck is great and your marriage is great and your children are obedient and your church is great. You, you, you just can't worship God there. It's when you're in the trenches when the circumstance is not favorable, that you've got to determine you are going to be devoted. And that's exactly what Joseph did. Here's, here's a hard truth this morning. Some people want to know God's will, but they don't want to know God. They want the blessing, but they don't want the relationship. And so we've got to get it in our heart today that we have got to be interested in walking daily with Jesus and learning to listen to the Holy Spirit or we will never fully, as, as, as the author says, understand God's will. But here's some good news. James 4.8 says, Come close to God and He will come close to you. Very simple, but the truth of that is this. God is responsive. He's responsive. If you go toward God, he will come toward you. The second big thing, finding God's will involves making the most of your current circumstances. I'll say it again. Finding God's will involves making the most of your current circumstances. Even though Joseph was not working his dream job, he was diligent in all of his work, and his work demonstrated that God was with him. This is a really important point. We need to make the most of our current circumstances because they may last a while. 
Kevin, that, that doesn't excite me at all. No, that, that's not a happy message, but it is a reality. If we look even in Scripture, for Joseph, it was two decades between his dream and the fulfillment of those dreams. 20 years. For Moses, he was 80 when God met him at the burning bush. It was another 40 before he peered over into the promised land. David was anointed king in front of Jesse and his brothers, but he, after he was anointed king, went back to shepherding. It was 15 years before the crown ever sat on his head. Sometimes that when God gives you an idea, the vision, his will, there's a lot of walking it out by faith between A and B. And that's where we have to be devoted and consistent and stable followers of Christ and say, I'm going to walk this thing out. I know the will of God. I know where he's taking me. But I'm going to celebrate my current circumstances even though it does not feel like I'm in, I'm in the will of God. Let me take a sidebar there for a second. Here's what we're often tempted to, to, to do. We, we judge the will of God based upon our, our emotion. And we look at the characteristic of God and we say, well, God is good and God is love and God is this and God is that and God is... And, and, and we, we, we elevate all of that and that, that's fine because all of that is true. But then we look and we filter it through what, what, what we're going through. Well, the circumstance is bad and it's depressing and it's anxious. And, and these two do not add up. So God is love, God is good, God is peace, God is joy. I, I'm, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm fearful... This cannot be the will of God. And so we begin to say things like, you left me because this is you and this is me. And these two are not adding up. So you've left me. You forgot about me. And we begin to project these things toward God that are not true, that are based solely on emotion and have nothing to do with our faith. So we say, God, you've walked out. And all of a sudden we start to replace those joyful experiences of vision and, and the dreaming of God in, in our heart to be full of bitterness and resentment and the desire to quit because we think God, God left. But we got to make the most of the current circumstance, okay? So that leads to, to my third point. The wait time does not have to be wasted time. Often there is wait time between what God promises and the fulfillment of it. Okay, the wait time does not have to be wasted time. Joseph was a shepherd at the beginning of, of, of this story. When, when we meet him, he is shepherding. And shepherds aren't qualified to do anything but shepherd. But in Potiphar's house, he learns to manage finances and estates and manage fields and teams of servants. In prison, he learns how to distribute food and distribute supplies and handle tough personalities. God uses Joseph's circumstance to prepare him for the will of God. In my experience, when people ask me about the will of God, it's always about next. Okay, And I want this to ring true in our ears this morning. It's always about what's down the road. It's about a season somewhere. It's about when all of this becomes blissful and somehow I'm out of where I'm at now and, and I become blessed somewhere down, down the road where I don't feel the way I feel now. And we're always looking next. So we, we say things like, well, Kevin, what, 
What happens once I graduate? What, what's God's will then? Well, well am, am I supposed to get married? Uh, what about her? What about her? Can I have both? What? What's your will? What about what, what about what about a job? Are, are, are we going to have kids? How many kids? Are, are, should, should I move? Should I stay? It's 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 all about the next step, and we're looking to say, well, God, what what's out there somewhere? It, it becomes this the carrot in in front of us dangled that. The will of God is always somewhere out there. And the truth of the matter is, God is working out his will in your life right now. In the midst even of some tough circumstances. In the midst of, you know, we, we, we've been praying about, about these, these babies specifically. It's a big deal to our church. We, we've been praying about that. Does that mean those people are out of God's will? No, but it means he's wanting to, to do a work in their lives right now to teach them how to trust in God even more. Right now in every circumstance is the will of God being formed. God's will for Joseph was not to just get him out of prison. It was to transform him while he was in prison. Fourth, and I'm going to end with this one. God gives us guardrails. Guardrails. This is my favorite point of, of, of the morning. If you hear one, I want you to get this one. It may sound harsh to say, but God's will for you is not about you. It's why I started with a family conversation this morning about just saying, hey, let's be reminded about our commitment, and let's be reminded about how big this month is, and let's commit ourselves to praying over it. Because God's will is not altogether about you. The will of God is about the soul of man. For God so loved the world, all of it, everybody in it, everybody who's going to come through it, everybody who will ever live and everybody who will ever die, God is in love with them, eternally in love with them. And you and I must serve and pastor our generation and do it to the best of our ability. We do not, hear me today, we do not build buildings. We build people. But there is a season right now in our life where we're having to pause and build a building. Not so we can polish it and shine it and, and ooh and ah over it. So that we can then build more people. Why? Because that is the will of God. Is people. He loves people. So let me show you how strong this is in the mind of God. The greatest commandments. Let's go to Matthew 22 and 37. If you got your Bible, highlight it. Matthew 22, 37, Jesus replied, You must, everybody say must. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. In verse 39, he says, And the second, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Here is a new metaphor for God's will, okay? I, I want you to get this because this is going to set some of you free today. When you think about God's will, I want you to metaphorically think about a highway, a long road, and on either side of that road is a guardrail. One of those guardrails is loving God. 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind. Love God. The other guardrail, love your neighbor. Love people. So how do you know if you're in the middle of God's will? If you're loving God and you're loving people, you're in it. It frees you up to make all these decisions because some of you are so retentive about this that you say, God, I don't know. I mean, should I go to Colton's or, or Greek house? I, I'm, so, I'm so confused. I mean, should, should I wear black today or red today? No, God, I'm going to fast breakfast just till you tell me. I'm, I'm just so confused. We get so caught up in little bitty details and we're so fearful. What if I do that and then I get punished or God's mad at me? Or God? No, listen, in those two parameters is a lot of grace. All right? If you unintentionally miss God's will, man, he loves you. He is all about you. He is after you. He wants you. God will bring you back between those guardrails. But if you love God and you love people, you are in his will. Why are we building a building? Why are we going to relocate? Why is April the biggest or busiest month for us? Because we love God and we love people. Why do we want to fill our church up on Easter? Because we love God and we love people. Why do we want to have an enormous grand opening so people can hear the love of God? Because we love God and we love people. And that's how you find out that you're in, in the will of God. So if you're praying, you know, what do I do after I graduate? I think I'm, I'm in love with this person. Are they, the, are they the one? Should we have children? Should we leave? Should we relocate? Start with, I love God and I love people. And so what is in the middle of those two parameters? Is it going to take, take some wisdom? Yeah. Am I going to have to search for God? Yeah. But you're in a sweet spot to hear and to know and to understand the will of God. Amen? So this morning, some of you are here and you need to make the first step in discerning God's will, and that's to find God. You need to find God. And the reason you're so confused and the reason you've been driven and tossed by every wind is because you do not know God. The Bible even says a double-minded man is unstable in every way because you have not anchored every bit of your heart to the cross. Some of you are here and you need to pray that, that the Spirit would give you strength to learn what you're supposed to learn now. When you're hurting, when you're discouraged, when you got a sick kid, when there's not peace in your home, you need to say, God, I want to hear the Holy Spirit and learn right now in the middle of this circumstance. It will not deter my devotion to you. Okay? And then some of you need to gain an eternal perspective. You've forgotten the big picture that God loves people. And that's on the forefront. That is the tip of the spear on the will of God is sharing his story with the world. Eternal perspective. All right. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I want to pray over you.